Welcome back to CodingCat.dev, where we give you cats the freshest dose of dev snacks. Here is Alex Patterson and Brittany Postma. This episode brought to you by Storyblock. Build anything and publish everywhere. Welcome back, perfect peeps, to CodingCat.dev podcast. We have a whole crew with us today. Welcome, everyone. Welcome. Not Hello. quite the Brady Bunch, but I'd like to be here. A few <laughs> Thanks for having us. Would we be in the middle of the Brady Bunch? That'd be kind of fun. <laughs> <laughs> We're like the parents. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the scary part. We'd be. I could, see it. I could see it. So uh, today we're talking about full-time content creating, and many of you, hopefully all of you, had a job at one point, and then finally just took the leap and started becoming full-time content creators. And uh, we want to hear more about that. But before we dive into the content, we kind of want to hear more about you. So I think I'll start, uh, Ankita. Can you go first and just give us a little background and uh, all about yourself? Yeah, for sure. So I'm Ankita Gulkarni. I switched to, I guess, being an educator last year in September. So still quite new. But before that, I released an online course on Next.js. It started to do really well. Plus, I always loved teaching. So that was really fun. But now my focus is to help developers level up in their careers, you know, to get getting into leadership or even like more technical fun stuff. So, yeah, that's pretty much me. You, you were priorly at GitHub and other places before you made this leap, right? No, I was at, uh, I was, I worked at IBM and yeah, yep, yep. Cool. Yeah. And we did another podcast with Ankita. If you want to hear more about her backstory. Yeah. <laughs> Came out just a little bit before this one. It's not out yet. Lane, how about yeah. yourself? Yeah. Thank you. Um, so I've been a backend uh, engineer for several years. I kind of worked my way up to engineering management. And on the side, I've, I've been building this, this site, boot.dev, um, that's focused on helping developers learn backend development. So there's um, you know, a lot of great places to learn front-end development online. Uh, there's, it's, it's sometimes harder to find the backend stuff, uh, specifically dealing with Golang and Python kind of where I've spent uh, my career. So um, anyways, I was using that uh, or building that as a side project for about a year and a half um, and then was able to go full time on it a little over six months ago. Uh, Quit my job as an engineering manager and now I create courses and videos and blogs uh, pretty much all day. Oh my gosh. I'm seeing this transition from management back to content creation. It's like, get away from management. (laughs) Dealing with people is very hard. (laughs) Yeah, I'd rather. I mean, I saw on uh, I was like scrolling through your Twitter feed, and I think I saw where like Golang had someone not beat up, and learning Java had someone like crushed. <laughs> so I thought that was pretty fun. That's how I felt. Yeah, <laughs> we all have different experiences through this stuff, I guess. Uh, Mr. James Q. Quick, how about yourself? Yeah, yeah. What's up? Um, I am a developer, speaker, and a teacher, and I've done. All three of those things, some combination of them professionally for about 10 years, several years of experience in developer relations as a developer advocate. And I've been creating content basically since 2014 and then taking that more seriously about five years ago, maybe four or five years ago, been doing it consistently and had been thinking about someday in the future doing content full time. And I got let go from my job over the summer. And uh, took literally a day to think about what to do next and decided this is my opportunity to do content full time. I've been doing it for 
about eight months now. So I wake up and do whatever it is that I want to, which is a ton of fun. So, so far, so good. Hopefully I can sustain that for a long time. A ton of fun and super stressful all at the same time, knowing it's all on you, right? It, it had like it's been i don't know like that's that's definitely a concern but it's Loaded been question. super positive for me so far that's not awesome. not much stress um yeah. anyway we'll see I'll, I'll talk to you again in six months or so much now <laughs> i'm sure we'll dive into that more later mm-hmm. too. yeah for sure mr simon Grimm. yeah i'm simon um i'm self-employed for six years so i'm probably like the <laughs> the longest period you have the elderly one with us oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I also started uh, as a native mobile developer. Um, I also worked my way up a little bit to like leading a team, but uh, started getting into a framework called Ionic like eight, nine years ago and started blogging about it. And uh, yeah, I don't know. A year later, suddenly people called me an expert in Ionic and <laughs> I, start, I started creating books because I was listening to Smart Passive Income and how you create books and courses and all those cool things. Um, yeah, and it just continued from there on until six years ago. I started the membership site on Ionic, and I basically I launched the site exactly the day uh, where I left my job. Um, so I wasn't actually up for like I-, I wanted to do consulting at that point, but in the first week I got like a hundred signups or so for. Oh the- my gosh! Uh, and that like turned the tides completely. So over the last six years, I've been doing on and off consulting. Uh, but mostly content and just this week uh, launched a new project, which is everything beyond Ionic, but we'll probably get to that later. That's incredible. <laughs> that's really cool. Um, that's that's where I know you from originally was all the Ionic stuff. And we, we had Mike uh, Hartington, Harrington, Hartington, not that long ago. And Mike and I, you know, run into each other on the DevRel uh, circuit mm, yeah. occasionally. So that's a lot of fun. Yeah, Mike is awesome. Yeah, cool. Well, let's uh, let's do a quick ad break to thank our wonderful Storyblock sponsor, and then we'll come back and dive into all this fun stuff. How in the world could I forget about this? There's no need to freak out. We have Storyblock. Robert, you're right. But we still need a plan. Okay, how much time do we have left until the launch? Twenty-four hours. Okay, let's go. We are ready to publish. So let's get this baby online. Welcome. Thank, thank you, Storyblock, again, for uh, sponsoring us. We really, really appreciate it. Finding a sponsor that's consistent like that is so hard. And we love you guys yeah. for it. Um, first question we have out of the gate, and I think uh, some of you talked about it already, but I'm going to go to Simon first because I think I heard it for sure. Um, sounded like you built your own learning platform. Mm-hmm. What what made you kind of go that road instead of like a, a Udemy? And maybe it's been, you know, so many years that was too new. I don't know. Um, no, actually, I think in like 2015 or something, Udemy was quite popular and many people asked me about creating Udemy courses. Um, but I didn't want to do it back then because I heard that you don't really own your students on Udemy. You can't contact them directly. So mm-hmm. they're pretty much like Udemy students. And also, 
I don't know, I always hated this model of like, this course is 500 euros, but today you get 99% off and it's just $19. I, I don't like, I don't think this is honest marketing. This is bullshit to me. So um, I wanted to create my own platform and uh, own those people. So I didn't develop the platform back then. Um, I actually use WordPress and I still use WordPress for the Ionic Academy, which is the platform. But I think it was a good choice back then because I'm good at creating content and I'm probably not good at like spending six months on developing a platform. <laughs> and WordPress, I mean, I, I pretty much know nothing about PHP and it's a hard time configuring stuff, but setting up a WordPress block and like doing a subscription paywall and that stuff, that basically took me like two days. As a developer, yeah. that's so easy just to like put the pieces together. So um, I've been happy with the setup. It works and that's been my choice since then. I, I tried to do that once and Brittany yelled at me and that's why we started doing <laughs> oh, this podcast. When I first came on, like you were on WordPress and I'm like, can we get off of WordPress? <laughs> <laughs> but that's totally relevant. That's that's fine. And it gave you more control than Udemy gave you at the time. And I know James, maybe you created a Udemy course at one time. Is that right? Yeah, I'm actually one of the creators that has, at least like in one instance, the opposite um perspective on udemy of being super positive so like exactly what you said simon udemy just th throws on sales and they advertise it as this like it only lasts a day like for anybody listening never pay more than 15 us dollars mm -hmm. for a course and like Max. 10 to 15 yeah, yeah. like if, it, if it's anything more than that just wait till tomorrow and it'll be on sale but the thing is like as a creator you just go in knowing that so you just expect like all of my sales are going to be ten dollars a piece and then also one thing to, to note that you may not think about is they take their cut, which is like 60%. So on a $10 sale, I make $4. Yeah. It, it may be like worse. <laughs> it may be, yeah. So like, I think you just have to know what you're getting into and have your expectations. Like if you don't have correct expectations and go into Udemy, yeah, it's going to seem really, really terrible. And they also have this other perspective of they don't do a great job of checking for copyrighted content and all that kind of stuff, which is 100% true. Mm -hmm. But my like one success story is I created my VS Code course and did it on Udemy because I didn't know I was a consumer of Udemy and I had nowhere else to consider. And it ended up doing amazingly well to the point of like the last couple of years, I've made $1,000 a month or so. I think my most yeah. recent one was like 700 And the beauty of this was this was created four or five years ago when I had like a much, much smaller audience. I wasn't doing any of my own marketing so they did all of that for me and I don't make, maybe I've earned $50,000 total, which is much more, I think at that time than I would have made on my own. Now that I have more of a brand, now that I have more of my own audience, um, I use Podia now. So they take just the Stripe fee or whatever, which is 3%. I make the rest of it. I control coupons and all those things. I also have access to like a newsletter through them and I pay, I pay yearly, but it's like a monthly subscription thing. So at this point in my career, I run it a different way than I did before. But for the right use case, I think Udemy can be very beneficial. Again, if you understand how it works while going into it. What does Podia handle for you? A lot of things. So um, one, of the, one of the nice things about Podia is the newsletter piece. So if you think about like 1,000, 10,000, 50,000, which I don't have uh, subscribers to a newsletter, that gets really expensive really quickly. And something mm -hmm. like ConvertKit or even MailChimp or like whatever you use gets really expensive. And so Podia, I can create any sort of product I want. I could gatekeep a live stream. I can sell an ebook. I could have a free download ebook. I can have a paid course, a free course, an upgraded course, like a, a this tier and a that tier. 
I can have all that be like tags inside of email. So I can have my general newsletter. I can send emails directly to people who are in certain courses. I can send it to people who are not yet enrolled in a course, but downloaded the free cheat sheet to say like, hey, you got the cheat sheet. Maybe you want to check out the course to learn more. Um, there's like analytics around it. There's a ton in there. It really is like at surface level with features, really amazing. And I think it's like 90 bucks a month, 80 bucks a month I pay and it comes out to somewhere around 700 a year. Um, the last thing I'll add is I can do affiliate links as well. So I can give people a link to my course, have them sell it and it'll automatically handle um, paying them for that, which is like pretty neat on top of all the other features that it offers. Cool. Does anyone else have experience with any of the other platforms? I know Teachable is another one. Does this also do like lessons? And so you can do your lessons and your courses straight through Podia? Uh, in terms of like hosting. So you like for a course, the things that you can put in the course, like modules are videos or you could, I think you can do quizzes, although I haven't done that. Oh, okay. You can do like details. Like if you want to have a resources page that you have as one of the sections or whatever. So yeah, all the things, yeah, all the things that you would think about for, uh, for a course, you can do right inside of here. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah, very new product. I was so just for for people getting started. Would you suggest this for someone like brand new? Would this be something you'd say get started here? If you decide later it doesn't work out for you, move on or. Personally, I wouldn't, okay. um, and that's because this is a pay-per-month subscription. Yep. So the thing that I would recommend is going somewhere where you don't have to pay, and then they just take a percentage of your sales versus giving up money without knowing that you're going to get any back. That obviously, mm -hmm. like, you know, if you have experience creating content, this is your first course, you may have a better idea and have stronger opinions. That's great. Like, do whatever works for you. But my personal opinion is first thing. Don't just give them money unless you're gonna unless you know you're gonna make money if that yeah. makes sense. So Udemy yeah. would be an option. Gumroad is one of those options that's incredibly mm -hmm. popular. Like it doesn't have all the email features and stuff. I don't think, but I see people sell like quick courses and eBooks and stuff through Gumroad all the time. And I think they even do a little bit of marketing. And I don't know what percentage they take, but it's still not um, it's still not super high. I think it's reasonable. So I would probably start with one of those versus going for paying for one of the more bigger all-encompassing platforms like Podia up front at least. Yeah, that's very sweet. Um, I know a lot of us are doing front-end web development, but Lane, you're doing a lot of back-end stuff. How are you handling that from a teaching side of the house? This is like my favorite thing to geek out about. So uh, like when I started Boot Dev two years ago, um, I started by building a platform. Wouldn't recommend um, wouldn't recommend, but I did build it from the ground up. And it, it, the main reason is I'm super passionate about the, the, like one of the things I'm most passionate about in teaching code is building, just getting people to build as much as possible. So I wanted to have something like a, I don't know if you've ever taken the tour of go. It's like this, you kind of code in the browser and you learn about go. Um, I basically wanted to build a tour of go. Um, with more real world examples um, and with answer verification. So rather than just like building little, you know, demos in a sandbox, you're actually kind of getting feedback on your answers and, and that sort of thing. So that's kind of why I built the platform and then ended up launching my first course, which was just Learn Go on the platform. It started out really slow because I had to spend more than half of my time working on the platform uh, and just the other kind of half of the time working on the courses. And uh, I don't know if I'm unique in this regard. I might be in that I didn't do video for like almost two years. It was all kind of markdown um, assignments, 
plus, you know, coding, uh, uh, you know, code in the browser type of tutorials. Um, so it started slower that way. But the nice thing is that over time, as like all, all that work I put into the platform has like paid dividends like month over month. So in the last year, we've 10xed our growth and it just keeps like it keeps compounding just because the platform, you know, now is very unique and different. Um, yeah. You know, all the gamification that we've added. Um, we just recently integrated the open AI, uh, uh, you know, GPT API. So like you can highlight code and, and it'll explain it to you, uh, stuff like that. Um, cool. and, and so having a platform does enable you to do a ton of like really cool stuff that can differentiate you, but it does mean a slower start. Yeah, and it's it's a trade-off. And we've had Scott Talinsky on before too, and he's talked about the same thing about creating level of tutorials and how that's like I mean, it's a trade-off that you pay for that with your time, like having to maintain it and stuff, but it's definitely like maybe worth it in the end if you're gonna do this long term. Yeah, at this point I'm happy. Um it definitely I definitely had like a long trough of sorrow uh at the beginning, uh if you're <laughs> familiar with startup speak, but now I'm really, really glad that that I did it the way I did. Awesome. That's a really good reference right there. I, I first learned that term last year. That was new to me. <laughs> um so I'm curious, uh, anyone else wanna comment in on the go Udemy versus not like build your platform? I can definitely also vote okay. for teach teachable. So I think in the beginning they had a different name. I think right now it is teachable, right? Yeah, um, I think used, used to have something else. I had courses on teachable and that was actually quite nice to work with before I ran my membership site. So um, I think teachable is definitely also a, a nice uh, alternative. You can create like structured content and Podia looks a bit more business-like. I don't know, teachable looks more creative and uh, I don't know. I think it's uh, also in the price a bit cheaper, but definitely something I would start out with. And I also wouldn't recommend to build your own platform. We we just did this and it costs a ton of money or time. So don't, please. If you want to start a blog, just start a blog. Don't don't build I'm, the blog. For sure. I'm a mentor in a community that uses Teachable and I've watched a lot of those tutorials and they've ran into issues where it's like, oh, that's on Teachable side. Like we can't do anything about that and that's where that struggle comes in with that trade-off that you have to like figure out which one is better for you but these platforms are already built and you can launch faster i'm sorry did i interrupt you ankita oh no no i was i was just gonna add um like even like right now i'm working on a course and that's uh, that's a question that i you know kept thinking about a lot on like should i release it on udemy or should i release it on my own and things like that and i feel like you know, I kind of agreed to what like James was saying, but I've gone with what Simon was suggesting. <laughs> so it's just like, I think my course on Next.js, it's on Udemy and one on the platform, but I guess like Udemy gives you the scale, right? So when you are starting out, you're trying to build an audience, you're trying to build trust and authority in the space. And I think Udemy really gives you an in on that, right? And then you are able to... Um, get feedback from students, um, although some students can be a bit ruthless <laughs> in terms of feedback, but, you know, that that's how it goes. Uh, but I would say, like, you know, but then you don't have access to the students, right, and their emails and whatnot. So if, if I were to create more technical courses, I would 100% go the Udemy route and, like, put it out there. But, like, you know, the leadership course that I'm working on, I just feel like the audience would be, uh, more catered to, you know, like hosting it on my own or using Podia or Teachable or anything like that. 
just so that it I'm able to like you know add that interactivity more and I'm able to like connect with the students more and build whatever sequences or uh, automations I want to like you know help encourage them because in Udemy you don't get you cannot reach contact uh, students one-on-one and I think for like a leadership audience they would want that accountability and things like that which would be good. On that note I also think that Udemy is a terrific way if you just want to launch like a little free course just to build up your audience. Um, I also uploaded one of my, just re-uploaded one of my courses as a free course to Udemy and you just get the traffic coming in so um, if you're just starting out probably that's also a good way. Little tip for that is you can release that same free content on your own YouTube channel as well so you can have it as valuable content on your own channel that you own on YouTube and then also just get the additional traffic from uh, Udemy. And then in that, uh, another like tip or recommendation for people is make sure that you have something in the details of your courses or content on any platform to link to something more long-term for you. So Simon, you mentioned, and I've, I've experienced this myself, Udemy has rules around how you can communicate with people mm -hmm. that take your courses and what you can share with them. So for instance, you're not supposed to send them a link to something external for them to go buy your other course if it's elsewhere. Uh, or maybe even within Udemy, I'm not sure. But especially, they don't want you to send people to pay money elsewhere that's not yeah. on the Udemy platform. So a couple of tips for that, or a couple of things that you can include is like, if you run a Discord server, include a link to that in there. Um, I, for instance, advertise like, I'm going to do support for this course through my Discord server. So I have channels in Discord to handle that. And I send people that way. Also just having a link to your newsletter or something else to like get them off of the platform onto something that you have more control over helps kind of mitigate um, the rules that they have that kind of restrict you on how and when you can um, talk to your audience. I love that y'all are kind of answering our questions without us even <laughs> asking them. Basically, my next question was going to be, how do you build your audience and then engage with your audience and build that community around them? And those were some great tips and tricks. Does anybody else have anything to add on that, like getting started phase? I mean, what's popular right now is definitely short form video. And I've seen some YouTube channels explode just by doing shorts. Um, I can't remember the name exactly, but there was one channel. I think he has already a million and he's just doing only shorts, only shorts. Um, so, yeah, I think that's, that's definitely a, if you enjoy making videos and enjoy like TikTok and short form videos, probably just going for shorts is a great way to get started right now. Awesome. Has, it, has anyone created a lot of content on TikTok, like in that in that form, by chance? <clears throat> James. James, yeah. I've done finding like monetization is going well for that though. I know nothing about monetization okay. on TikTok. I, I for what it's worth, like I've done a good amount of content. I wouldn't say I've exploded at all. I think I'm like fourteen thousand followers there which again this is all relative so some people may not be anywhere near that and think that's a ton sure. but i look at people that have hundreds of thousands right and that would be my goal um so i don't know if i, I honestly literally know nothing i don't know if there's like a minimum number of subscribers or watch time that you have to have like youtube before you can monetize i don't know if there's a checkbox i have to hit that i just <laughs> haven't looked at when i pu publish a video but that know, hasn't even like, crossed my mind yet ridiculous like you have to have millions of views to make it worth it like even close to worth it so oh to actually make any good amount of money yeah yeah it, it's, it's insane that's always this is one thing i learned from reading and and watching videos from others and then certainly experience now like most most youtubers that have big channels you're like oh they must make so much money off youtube ads 
typically that's not the case at all. It's like yeah. much less than people generally think, but where they make their money, where I make a lot of my money is from sponsored videos. So people pay money for me to create content on their platform or technology or whatever. Um, so that's a big part of it. And then uh, most people also try to funnel people away from YouTube to their paid resources. So we've talked about uh, courses a little bit. That's another really important strategy for monetizing having an audience is being able to take an audience, move them from one place to another from providing value to them and making that thing, whatever it is, worth it for them to go and invest their money because they trust you through the free content that you've created. So kind of navigating uh, viewers or customers or students through this funnel to these like at least exposing them to the paid resources is definitely one of the goals with having an audience on any platform i just want to clarify like we're not trying to figure out how to get the most money out of people but what we're talking about on the show is how you've transitioned out of a full-time job into a content creator and an important part of that is you have have to be able to survive (laughs) so it's, it's kind of a key um, so yeah, I am kind of curious to continue that conversation about building up your audience though. Like what else did you do? Did you go out on podcasts first? Did you like a newsletter? I think Udemy, you know, was a good probably starting point, launching point or teachable or, or one of those that does a lot of SEO and building your brand for you. Was there other methods that any of you ran into that really helped? So, um, for me, uh, SEO has been my bread and butter for quite a while. Um, I started blogging. Uh, that was kind of how I got started in writing, um, which is why I decided to build the course, at least initially, kind of all text-based. And that's been fantastic. But again, slow. <laughs> you, there's, there's a common theme here where I, I seem to do everything the slow way. So again, now it's paying a lot of dividends because I, I have 100,000 visitors to my site just you know free every month um, through the blog. Um, but initially it was, it was much less. And also, you know, I'm just now starting to build my social following. And and so I, you know, you go look me up on platforms. I'm I'm quite small when it comes to any individual platform like YouTube or or Twitter. Um, but I do think it's, if you enjoy blogging, I definitely think it's a way you can go. And I'd kind of echo what, what James said in that, um, you want to capture a lot of that traffic through email if you can. Because, you know, as, as far as quitting, quitting the job and making money full time, right? So you, can, so you can quit and go full time creator. Having a big email list that you can send emails to about your new products, your new announcements, your new features um, is, is huge, huge leverage. It's really cool. Great point. I would also second uh, starting a newsletter or just like growing your audience through a newsletter is huge because you have a personal connection to their inbox and you are sending them emails it's almost like knocking at someone's door and you know you know that they're hopefully going to open <laughs> um if they're at home <laughs> it's kind of like that but i think it's really great and i think one of the ways that has been really useful for me to build i guess a community around that is that you know i write i have like a front end newsletter and even a leadership one but what i kind of do is even before i have an idea or if I'm working on something and I would love some feedback, I just kind of ask them, like, what do you all think about it? Would you be interested in testing this out? And if, the, if so, then just like, I don't want to like, you know, email the whole list every single time, you know, talking about it. But if you're interested, click this button and I kind of talk to them about it. And recently I released something and I got really great feedback because of it, because I just asked them, 
for feedback and they're more than willing to help and you know help me grow as well as well as learn you know uh through through that specific content so i think that has been really valuable for me and since then i've been kind of doing a lot more tests like that which is really good because you're connecting with like, like real people and talking to them hey before i invest too much time into this is this something that you would like like is you know is this is is this helpful for you and if yes then great i will keep working on it but if not then maybe it's time to pivot <laughs> good point can i quote one of my favorite tv shows <laughs> hit us tv show is new girl for anybody who watches new girl and there's an episode that's at a wedding and just the main character is like trying to pick up a guy and she's not the best person at flirting or picking up people or whatever. And so she's asking her friends for advice. And I think they ended up calling this move the Biden, uh, which is not political. So don't take that any specific way, but the Winston, my favorite character quotes to her anywhere he goes, just be there. If he goes to the dance floor, be there. If he goes to get food, be there. And then I think he says, if he goes to the bathroom, be there, but that's like a, a little bit extreme. <laughs> but the point is like, you hear this cliche of meet developers where they are, but my personal take on cliches is like, they sound cliche, but they're a hundred percent or not a hundred percent. They're often actually the number one thing you need to do, but most people ignore them because they sound cliche. So meeting developers where they are, what does that mean? Well, if you want to build a Twitter audience, you should be spending a ton of time on Twitter. If you want to build a YouTube channel, you got to create a lot of content on YouTube. You got to create a lot of TikToks, et cetera. So like spend time where you want to be known and spend time talking about the thing that you want to be known for. So if you want to be the Ionic person, if you want to be the general JavaScript person, if you want to be the app right person, like whatever the thing is, you should be talking about that thing and you should be talking about it consistently and you should be engaging with people. So on Twitter, for example, it's not just about posting it's about finding other people and responding to their stuff in a meaningful way by providing value to them, whatever that is, whether it's resources or answering questions or a supportive like, hey, good job on the thing that you built, whatever it is, like just show up and show up consistently. So that part is like, it's really easy advice to give. The difficult thing is to actually do that and implement it. Danny Thompson is like one of the most famous people on Twitter and tech right now, who's a good friend of mine. He's He was in Memphis up until the last year or so and moved to Dallas. But he had a course talking about how he built his Twitter audience. And this is not to like belittle the course because there's lots of like little nuggets in there that are really valuable. But basically what it came down to was just being active and being genuine and providing value to people. Like it's, it's kind of, the advice is not that hard to give it's just hard to actually implement and um and spend the time and dedication to do it but show up where developers are and talk about the thing that you want to be known for i don't know if i i don't know if i've ever put the words that you just put out on myself but i did that for spell mm -hmm. yeah like when i was 100%. first starting out like i talked about spell everywhere yep. and now i've like started the spell sirens and like just i was doing that and just never really realized it 100 percent, and i I mean, you already know this because you do plenty of Svelte related things, but I come across random Svelte stuff and I hear your name everywhere. Like someone that I completely disassociated from any conversation I've had with you, I was talking to and they reference your content on Svelte. And I was like, okay, I mean, that makes total sense because that's awesome. like, you've done that thing. And that's, I have this new kind of pivot in mind that I've mentioned to a few, few different people of taking like six month chunks and, and diving into a specific technology for multiple different reasons. So right now for me, it's Astro. And I'm going to launch an Astro course in the next four or five months. 
But the idea is like spending six months on one topic means I can go deeper in that topic. I can continue to do exactly what we just said and post and share about it and teach people about that topic to build up that reputation at the end of six months, launch a course, have that as a thing that I can make money on because we have to make money. But hopefully that's from already providing enough value leading up to the launch of a course from the free content and talking about that. So it's a good like learning opportunity for me. I get to connect more with product teams and with technologies that I'm excited about. And then also turn that into something that I can ideally make money off of and go through this cycle every six months of learning and talking about something new. So I think you guys all have hit on something that I wanted to bring up was uh, a niche product kind of gets everyone started and gets you a community. So whether it's felt, whether it's ionic, whether it's like Golang or backend specifically, like whatever those pieces and parts are, I think it's really good to build up that community and then start to expand past that because I think it it gets you followers kind of, oh, they're an expert in this thing. Keep following along with them. I, I think Fireship, James or James, Jeff Delaney did a really I wish good job. I was Fireship. <laughs> <laughs> we all Jeff did an amazing job. He 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 decided like I'm gonna do this Firebase thing and he did a really good job at it. But then he took that and just he knew he wanted to do a very specific way of creating his videos and he just went for it and He's what million and a half subscribers later yeah. type of thing. So it's fantastic. Once you find that area and people start to trust you and start to associate your name with that area of expertise. So it's, it's a really great point. That it's, usually also happens before you actually know you're an expert. So I think, <laughs> I don't know if it happened for the others in here as well, but for me, like people at some point just called me an expert in Ionic and I'm like, yeah, I'm just going through the documentation. It's printed <laughs> right there. Just, just read it. I'm just giving back the words in a different way. But um, yeah, but actually it took me years to accept that I somehow must be an expert um, because I never wanted to admit that. <laughs> I'm kind of curious to do any of you run into like the burnout of just that right there where it's like, it's, it's all out here. Why am I doing this? This is ridiculous. Or do you kind of put yourself in a, well, that went well, or that didn't go well. And I'm going to move on to this next thing. How do you guys deal with kind of that burnout fatigue or finding that next piece of content to go after? I was actually very close to stopping my blog, like, I don't know, eight years ago, um, because at some point, I, I don't know, but I guess most are somehow burning out if you release weekly content. And I think uh, this comes back to James' uh, consistency. I would say this is like really the most important thing. There have been so many other blogs over the last years, over the eight, 10 years that I've seen, and they were really great, but they were great for three months. And then the people always lost interest because then it starts to get hard. Like you can read a nice book on blogging and then you come up with 20 ideas for articles and you write them and you push them out. And then like three months later, you have 100 people reading that. And you're like, oh, this is boring. Like, I don't want to do. And at that point, if you if you keep up the consistency, I swear everyone's going to be successful if you just push through that. So I think I've been releasing a video or tutorial every week since like eight or nine years now and that just it just sums up like every week you get two three five new people following you and it just keeps adding and adding but it's definitely hard to like keep the fire burning and that's also why i transitioned this or last year into something more because i felt like i've been doing ionic angular topics for about five six yeah six years basically I feel like I've covered every single topic. Like <laughs> I know when there's a new major version, you can pretty much start at zero and do every tutorial again. But like 
the 10th time of doing the JWT authentication with something, it, it's just getting boring. And um, yeah, so I, after niching down in the beginning and do Ionic, I know like try to open up to more technologies, but it's kind of scary at that point because you were once a big fish in a small pond and then you become a small fish in a big pond mm -hmm. because now I'm swimming with the React guys and the React Native and the Flutter world and nobody really knows you. So you pretty much start at zero again, but it's also like exciting after some time to take on new challenges. So you talk about like um, how you've done all the, the content in that specific area. Um, and this is open to everybody. How do you go and push yourself further to find new content to like start breaking down? Like James sounds like it's going to kind of focus and, and on like a six month up to date with <laughs> area. Right. right now he's focusing on his dog, but um, <laughs> a very specific area of focus. But how are you like going to chat GPT and saying, how can I write the next thing in Angular and it's telling you? Like, what's what's your what's your methodology around that right now? And Keith, I'm kind of curious from from your perspective. What do you think? I think for me, um, I I would say like you know something that SEO would give you a lot out of. Like, for example, what are people looking for in your specific like niche in general, and what are some topics that you're interested in? But also like when you write some pieces of content and they resonate with people, they message you about you, ask questions. And I think that is also a very good sign to keep creating more of that content and, you know, sort of um, dive deep in there as well. But having like, you know, maybe some sort of a content management system also like really helps. A content creation system also helps because you can keep creating content and, I think consistency is like really important as boring as that might sound, but a month from month later, you have like, I don't know, four times, whatever pieces of content you create, right? Like 10 or 12 pieces of content that will slowly start to resonate with people, right? As they start to discover you depending on where they are in their journey. And yeah, so that's what I would say. Yeah, nice. I, I'm curious, and I think Lane, you brought this up from a SEO perspective. You did a lot of like studying surrounding that. Is there something that you go to, or like a tool you use to to dive in? Like if if I want to write the next GoLang thing, and here's the popular piece, where do you go find that out? Yeah, that's a good question. So when I started blogging, um, it was actually before I started my course platform or anything like that. So it was it was really just for fun. I was blogging about whatever I thought was interesting, um, which is a great way to get started and get practice. And it's a great way to keep like get into a habit of consistency um, because it's fun, right? Uh, but yeah, at some point I had to pivot to how do I make this more effective? How do I make this a more effective use of my time? Um, and at that point, yeah, I started playing around with a couple different tools. Uh, the big ones out there are SEMrush and Ahrefs. Uh, to be honest, I trialed both of them and they didn't help. I'm sure they help people, but I, I was able to get everything I need from Google Search Console um, oh, okay. and like just kind of free tools. Um, so I, I don't really have a recommendation for tools. Um, it's because I think it's, it's pretty simple. You just go into keyword planner, you kind of look up the niche that you're interested in writing about, and you can find all of the volume, uh, statistics for all the different keywords. And then really what it is about, I, I think a lot of people get kind of mired in technical SEO, but it's, it's really, really simple. If you want to get traffic on Google, it's 
have a great user experience on your blog and write really good content that answers the question of the query. And like, that's it. It's kind of like what James said, it's cliche. Um, but the, the reality is you don't need a four-year degree in SEO. It takes about <laughs> one week uh, to learn the things you need to learn, right? Have your page load quickly and write good stuff. Um, and, and that's usually what it is. Ooh, uh, static yeah. or server-side fan then with that? Static, 100%. Okay. I use Hugo. <laughs> I'm going to call James out from the chat too. Analytics overwhelms me also. <laughs> he said analytics overwhelms me. I just don't know how to look at Google Analytics. Like, I don't know what all the things are. And I like, I just haven't spent the time to yeah. try to learn, which I think is like the bigger deal. But every every time I do a quick look, it's just like, I don't know what I'm looking at. But well, the SEO part is is huge and it's something that is on my radar to focus more on this year because I've never intentionally done anything with SEO from my blog. Like obviously I do research for YouTube videos and stuff a little bit, but um, for my blog, I've never done that. But I mentioned this idea of like six month increments of creating content on a certain thing, leading to a course at the end and having this marketing funnel with a free cheat sheet, et cetera. Part of that, uh, part of the getting there is creating exactly what Lane just said, the easy advice of like, create blog content on those specific questions that people are going to have for that topic to build up SEO for the domain of the actual course that I'm working on. Um, Joel from Egghead, he's kind of phrased this as like the, I think this is, he's said it publicly, but the West boss as a service thing that they do where they work with like content creators to create these big courses. And it's over the course of a year or two where they do like, blog articles and then they do workshops to like test out this stuff and see how people respond and at the end of this they've built up a ton of seo value around whatever the topic is have grown a newsletter from all the things that they've done and then have this big launch at the end and so that's that's the same idea is like you want to be known for a thing create content on the thing and especially if it's on a blog a domain that you own like you're building up seo for this thing and if they come and read a blog article you have a big button at the bottom that's like if you want to learn more go buy this course so you can get the in-depth um, instruction. So yeah, it's it's not overly complicated, but actually executing and doing that on a consistent basis is the big challenge. I imagine doing those six, block, six month chunks too will keep you interested in the stuff that you're creating and allow you to mm -hmm. switch and change gears. Yeah, I think it's a good good balance of like having enough time to go deeper in a topic and then also getting to cycle through things on a quick enough basis. Um, Cause I definitely, I'm one of those people too that loves to try out new things all the time and gets overwhelmed of how many new things I do want to try. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's, it'll be a good balance, but again, this is like first time going through this cycle. So I'll let you know in six months and a year how they go. Awesome. I've heard it phrased as it's, it's simple, but it's not necessarily easy. Those aren't <laughs> yeah. the same, right? Like yeah. the, the idea is very, very simple, but executing Execution, on it. Yeah. Consistency. Yeah. Not easy. Absolutely. Yeah, we always, um, you care if I throw in one more thing? Alex? No, no, no. Um, so when I was just getting back into content and I had almost no audience at the time, I saw a free YouTube series from West Boss on Flexbox on YouTube. And um, I reached out to him. I was like, hey, like I'm thinking about getting back into creating content. Can I just like ask you a few questions? And West Boss like, gave me his number and we talked on the phone, which was wild. And I remember the number one thing that he talked about, like advice was like, if, if you want to be known for a thing, like basically just tell people that you're known for it. Like not that you're an expert, but not only talk about the thing, but act like basically fake it till you make it kind of thing. Like if, if you don't, if you don't seem like you believe in yourself in this topic, people aren't going to believe in you in that topic and they're not going to follow what you're doing. So just tell them 
basically like I'm doing a thing and I'm good at this topic and you you're probably still learning along the way like I'm going to learn a ton about Astro along the way of creating this course but I'm taking that learning over the course of months and I'm compacting it into this course that other people can learn in a handful of hours or whatever so that idea of like fake it till you make it kind of thing like has a slight negative connotation but the idea of using that to like confidently say I'm going to work on this thing or I am a person that does this thing I think carries a lot of weight I'm, I'm curious you all have probably hit this struggle and I think we've kind of talked around it a little bit but have you talked have, have you thought about uh, this is too much I need to go back to a normal nine to five job and go like I'll do this it's fun like I'll do it on the side but it's become too much to try to like get my own money and monetize things. And it's just overwhelming. Has anyone hit that point yet? What was it like getting past it? I, I have the opposite fear. I'm worried that I broke myself as an employee <laughs> and that I won't be able to go back as an individual contributor. It's too I much fun. I feel that way. Myself. I'm breaking myself every day. So. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's been my experience. But before that, when I was still working... Because I, I got boot dev to a pretty great point before quitting, but when I was still working, there were a lot of times where I was like, "Can I just can I just stop with this side project thing? Like I'm sinking so many hours into it." So there definitely were times like that. Um, since quitting, it's been really great, <laughs> but uh, before that, it was tough. I, I also worried. think. Uh after after six years, I'm kind of unemployable at this point. I, I don't think I could ever go back. Like, I, but but even now, I know after six years, it's really getting normal. Like what I do here, um, but I pretty much every day try to remind myself that this is not normal. If I look around in my neighborhood, this is totally not normal what I'm doing. Um, so my wife can stay at home, and I can just do whatever I want with them. Um, and this is not the usual way, but when I was still working a job, I still remember the feeling like driving the commute one hour per day and sitting in the car, listening to Pat Flynn from Smart Passive Income and just dreaming like, this would be so awesome. Like I can just get up in the morning and code and work on whatever I want. And it's now exactly like that for wow. six years. And I just get up and out of bed and then I work out. I have an outdoor gym, like even if it's cold in Germany, uh, I do my <laughs> workout every morning. So I, I, I just this, follow my own plan. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Um, I think this might be a good one to wrap it on up on too, is where you um, talk about like how you got over these humps, but also how you balance creating the content with the other aspects of your life and make it your job. How do you like schedule your day and those kinds of things? If everybody wanted to go around and do that. Simon starts with a sure. workout apparently. Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah. I sleep next to my daughter, I get up, I drink my booster, I work out in my outdoor gym, I take a shower, and then and probably 9 a.m. I usually start my day. Um, I work a few hours, then we have lunch together with my wife, and at like, I don't know, then I take a half-hour nap, or NSDR session, I can highly recommend that, Yoga Nidra, <laughs> uh, NSDR. Uh, and then I try to work a bit more in the afternoon. So my daughter comes back from kindergarten at like 2 p.m. And then I work. Usually I work until like 4 p.m. And then I take a one hour walk outside. So um, I, I like to get like at least 10K steps per day or 20K sometimes. Um, some of you have seen me. I have a treadmill and a standing desk. So that definitely helps. Highly recommended. It. It's not that like expensive. You can get one for 200 euros. Um, so that's pretty much my day. But yeah, I think in, in total, probably like 
I maybe work five hours per day, but then like in the evening you lay in bed and you think half an hour about, okay, next week I'm going to do this or probably that content is more important. Maybe I should check Twitter again. And then on the weekend you do the taxes and then you do the planning. So uh, I think in the end it sums up to a lot of hours, but the days are still like, I got the control over my day and I, I like, you can't pay for money with that, like for that feeling. Yeah. Do you have any when, um, concerns about like 401k retirement pension? I mean, Germany, it's a little easier than other places, but it's unbelievably expensive, first of all. So uh, in total, I pay about like 50% tax, like every euro I earn, like I earn 50 cents of that. And then I have to, because I'm self-employed, I pay about 700 euros for insurance, health insurance, private. Um, and then we have mortgage and like I'm paying my wife something. So that really adds up at some point. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's hard. Like we, we don't really have a four, 401, whatever you call that. But, <laughs> uh, like I, I like I do my personal savings. And to, to be honest, I'm not too concerned about the money right now because I'm what am I? I'm. I'm 33, I think. Um, <laughs> so I don't, I don't really care. Once you get 40, I hear you'll never yeah, yeah, remember. Yeah. So that's fine. But the thing is like. I could still make something really successful like in the next two, three, five years, even when I'm 40 and I'm kind of relaxed that at some point I will, I will figure out something like for now, everything's cool and we get along and I don't really need a lot of money, but um, yeah, maybe when I'm 50, like even when you're 50, you can still start a startup and like do some pretty awesome stuff. Like I do save a bit just to have a like security net, but Overall, I'm not too concerned because as a creator, you can always come up with like, like whatever, write a new book, like James yeah. doing an Astro course. Next year, we got something else. Next year, he's doing a quick course and then you're doing a Swelt course and then Angular switches to signals and you can quick, do another big course. Quick, like I love that. Oh, you got to get on that one. Quick, quick. Quick on quick. Quick on quick. Write all these down. Jeez, we've talked about trying to figure out things to do. Here you go, content creator. Yeah. <laughs> don't still cook on quick though. Let me let me keep that one. <laughs> How do you spell each one? I don't know. Um, any other like anybody have different methodology? Like, how about when you were working? Did you have like a I'm gonna spend an hour every morning on something, or what was that like? When I was like working uh nine to five, it was pretty much like nine to five because I was in a leadership position, especially senior leadership. Um, a lot of folks were very interested in waking up very early in the morning and start messaging folks, which was quite interesting and something I realized that I cannot wait to go back like to be a content creator because I can like, you know, dictate my own schedule and things like that. But I would say like I would always like start even then and even now, like start start planning my week on a Sunday just to kind of figure out like, okay, what my focus of the week is going to be like, and then accordingly uh, go, go from there, essentially. Yeah. That's really cool. It's tough. I, I feel like when you're kind of in that mode of, I could do both of these things right now, but like taking that final leap is, is always so challenging. I feel like. Cool. Um, I think we have what, one more question, maybe. You got to tell me. I don't know the answer to that. I know. I'm looking at our <laughs> list. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I don't know. We, ha we have a few things in there. I so didn't this... know if we had time for them. 
This one I was really curious about. Uh, where do you see the content uh, industry heading in the next few years with all of the like AI and, and content creation things being so automated? What tools are I you can... using now is a good question too. Um, Go ahead, Lane. I, yeah, I can speak to this just a little bit. So I've, I've definitely started using them as much as I can. Um, I, I don't saw think some it... of your picks. They look pretty sweet. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, I can't... Uh... I, I don't like it, no matter what your opinion is, I, I don't think shying away from new technology is, is the right answer, right? It, it, you always need to be leveraging stuff as it makes sense. Um, so what I've found personally is that like I replaced all of my stock images on my website that were just like unsplash or whatever. I've started using AI generated images. It takes me just about the same amount of time, but great. Now my blog posts look unique when you kind of land on the site. Um, that's been fantastic. As far as like, generating text content for my vlogs i haven't been able to figure out how to improve my workflow yet um it, it just I, it, it's a lot of work to sit there and prompt the ai to like get a paragraph of text i'm like i, I can just write this like um i don't know if anyone Ask else has had a blog post <laughs> just the no, whole thing no no i have i have um <laughs> i i just haven't been able to get it to that quality like that, that, yeah. that standard that i want to get it to um but i have tried um maybe other people are better prompt engineers than i am um <laughs> I, I've been shockingly surprised, like write a Twitter post about XYZ, like actually spell it out and pff, it's great. And the other day I was like, write me a Svelte post about AppWrite with blah, blah, blah. And it wrote all the code and everything. I was like, what? Like it, it yeah. pretty much blew my mind. So it's it's going to become more prevalent. I was just kind of curious if anyone was nervous about that or do you feel like the human touch is always going to win out at the end of the day? I, I still think you can always see when it's AI written like just the other day someone had a tweet and immediately my first thought was like you didn't write that you just see it and that was also the first comment that tweet got and so I think for the content creation industry I still think if you have personality like if you show your face and you are just you then it's definitely going to be more helpful but I agree to to Lane like for my new project I wanted to have like quick wins like quick answers on topics so I asked ChatGPT like how do I embed a blob image in Angular and like the result that is perfect for a quick win I basically copied that one to one and I'm now going through that process for like I figure out SEO topics, like what people are looking for. For example, they're looking for a React Router with TypeScript. You ask ChatGPT, how do I type my stuff for React Router? You get the perfect quick win. Like you don't need to write an article for like two weeks about that topic. You just need the right answer. And yeah, ChatGPT was definitely great in assisting me with that. I completely agree. I think what it lacks is empathy right now <laughs> and like that human touch, right? So like you can ask for prompts to like, help you, you know, I guess like to get over your writer's block, for example, or instead of staring at a blank page, you can just ask ChatGPT to write about it. But then you're like, oh, this is great. Thank you for helping me get started. But now I have so many other ideas from my experience that I can add on to, which will make it more personal in a blog post or a video or anything like that. So I feel like, you know, um, I guess like similar to like how others were saying, it's just like, it's great to use it as a tool to help you become better at your job and be more productive. Uh, and it's, there's no point in shying away from it because the more you run away from it, the, the faster it's going to chase you <laughs> because it's, it's here to stay. There are so many cool tools out there 
Um, so I think like building like, you know, with even like uh, the chat GPT API and stuff like that to being open now, I cannot wait to try it out and like help out with like some sort of productivity or developer flow essentially as well. Um, so yeah, always use it to your advantage. I think that that's true though, pointing out that you can lose your tone of voice and your personality in your writing if you just use it straight out. So that's a good call out. All right. I think we're going to pivot over to our perfect picks now. Mr. Quick, uh, spelled the quick way, not the quick <laughs> way. <laughs> you are up first. <laughs> Nailed it. Um, yesterday, I had uh, Elio uh, join me on stream and talk about his product, uh, which is a VS Code extension called Front Matter. And I have embedded Markdown as my blog, so I moved away from a headless CMS just so I could have all of my stuff right inside of my code base, which has been great. But working with front matter is like manually going and typing stuff in. I usually copy front matter from one to another and then change it and I have to manually create a file, get a name, generate the slug, like all these things. And so I tried out his extension live on stream with him and I was absolutely like hands down blown away. So very basic stuff is you can, you basically have a GUI to edit your front matter. You can define uh, like your types for front matter, like what are the properties and what types are they? You can scaffold new pieces of content. So it's not just blog content, but any sort of markdown content that you want. You define the schema, basically. You click new, it asks you the title. It can generate slugs. It also does like slug optimization, which is like if you say the top JavaScript frameworks, it'll just remove the from the URL to make it shorter and like make more sense. Mm -hmm. It has SEO best practices in it, like how long should a title and description be? You get Media Manager where you can view all of your images and work with them. You get a visualization and search and filter of all of your content, including like preview image associated with it, tags, like all of these things. It's like mind blowing how powerful this extension is. So if anybody is working with embedded markdown for blog posts or any other type of content in your site, check out the Front Matter extension for VS Code at frontmatter.codes. I can almost guarantee you that you won't regret it and it'll change the way that you work with front matter and markdown in general. You have so, your podcast voice on. <laughs> boom. It's his, his, his ad voice. <laughs> uh, so I'm really curious on, on this, James. Uh, the one thing that always holds us up on things are images. And we love to store our images over on Cloudinary because we get mm. so many free for being an MD. Um, when you load the image, are you allowed to like, how does that work as far as like uploads and stuff? Do you have to have it somewhere first? Yeah. So it, it like all of this is just kind of a, a GUI sitting on top of all the things that you're already doing. So you can edit the metadata for your cover image specifically that would go on the front matter and just give it a Cloudinary URL. And I, I haven't 100% confirmed this, but I'm almost positive. All the preview things that come with these images you will see the preview of that image. It'll just be a remote URL to Cloudinary instead of a relative path mm -hmm. to your public directory, if that makes sense. So I think that will work mm -hmm. seamlessly. You'll just have your images just like you've been doing stored in Cloudinary. Use that URL instead of the relative uh, URL to your site. I love this. If we can do MD specs, specs, M I see I can't ever say it. Brittany. MD specs. MD specs with this. I'm in. This is great. Cool. Um, next we have code mirror by lane. Sorry, yeah. Lane, I forgot who did this one. No, you're good. Uh, this is, uh, this is the browser plugin that we use, or, or I should say like JavaScript package that we use to do our text editors on boot dev. 
And I've tried a couple different ones. I tried Ace. I tried uh, Monaco or Monaco. I don't know how to pronounce it. Um, and this one is amazing. So they V6 was just released. It's super modular, tons of features. Um, but what I like most about it is the core is super lightweight and you can build around it super powerful features. So I actually uh, worked with the maintainer. Um, we sponsored a couple new open source features that we are now using in boot dev. So if you're interested in building like interactive experiences with writing code in the browser, definitely check out CodeMirror. Um, I, yeah, I, 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 all I have is good things to say about CodeMirror. Love it. That's sweet. Uh, Ankita, Dali 2, tell us more. Yeah, this is a very cool tool. Um, it's essentially like creates like more realistic images and fun art for yourself. So I've been using this tool a lot. Um, so I've been working on a course to um, help developers transition into leadership. And for that landing page, I've been kind of like adding prompts into chat GPT and like getting single line sentences and feeding into Dolly to like make that landing page pretty cool. Um, and I've been using that. And what I love about it is like, you can upload an image and like, even if you draw something out, right? Like sketch and rough, uh, you can upload it and it will generate a series of images for you, which has been like really cool. Um, so I, I highly recommend it if you wanna create fun art for let's say our demos or um, landing pages, for example, as well to make it like look attractive. So are, are you automating that currently or you're just kind of doing one-off? Oh, no, no, no. I'm just doing like one-off just okay. for the course modules and things like that. So like foundation. So like creating, sketching something out on my uh, on my iPad and like trying to upload it so that it creates like this funky, cool effect. Um, so yeah, just want to yeah. make it look so that it, it looks good. Yeah. Yeah, love it. Very cool. Simon, tell us about galaxies.dev. Yeah, that's my new platform, galaxies.dev. Um, explore the edges of the web dev universe with us is currently the title. So this is a learning platform about all the crazy new technologies like React, Angular, Vue, Astro, um, but also covering stuff like Tori, Superbase, AppWrite, like you name it. Um, it's a confusing landscape, um, both the JavaScript worlds, like with all the new frameworks coming up every other week. And, and we got server side rendering and static site generation and all those crazy things. Um, and this site is my new home for all my courses. So I'm doing everything that we talked in the beginning that you definitely should not do as a beginner. <laughs> so I've built up this site from the ground with SwelteKit, um, with Ooh. a developer, with a designer. So we spent quite some money on it. Um, I do have courses from other content creators, um, like about topics like Next.js and Firebase. And uh, so far, we launched like two days, first of March, no, three days, I don't know. Um, we have 303 members already and quite a few pro members as well. Um, and going forward, this is hopefully the place for the modern web developer to check out real practical courses. I think this is going to be my main thing because I my personally don't like these six 12, 30 hour courses. They are just too long for me. I, I don't like that. Um, but we have courses usually around 90 minutes and that's, you can speed that up even at 2x and then you can learn like the basics of Vue in an hour and the basics mm -hmm. of React Native in an hour. And I feel that's more uh, more handy and we're going to see how this grows over the future. Love it. That's sweet. I love this design, by the way. This is just bananas good. Holy yeah. Thanks. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm a big Star Wars fan as well. So hopefully... <laughs> 
Ooh, are you really watching good. Mandalorian right now? Oh, I want. I'm still watching the Bad Batch, like in, in nice. uh, the animation. But is Mandalorian good? The new season? Oh my gosh! Yes. I didn't is know. It was better, than, better than Endor? I think so. But Ooh. I thought it was better than that one too. The other two seasons. We'll see. Brett, you have this a new toy. Mine. So we got this last week and I was sick and I couldn't try it out for like two days. And I was so mad because my whole family was down there playing with it. But I finally got to try it out this weekend and it was, it's just bananas good. For those on audio, it's the PlayStation VR 2. What? Oh yeah. For those on audio. Yep. Sorry. PlayStation VR 2. So it is like this headset, but virtual reality has just come so far and there's a kayaking game that we do and you can like look down in the water and see a coral reef and fish just swimming by. And we played horizon and you can like shoot the bow and it's just, it's insane what you can do with this thing and feel like you're in another world. That's so cool. It is making me a little dizzy, but I think I'll get used to it. (laughs) I'm trying to get used to that. We have an Oculus and my friend played this shooting game where you go out onto a, a bridge and he started flipping out, and I had no idea he's oh. like deathly afraid of heights. And oh I, I'd never seen someone react like that. So it's pretty oh, legit. Yeah. <laughs> I did put your other one up there if you want to just hit this one quick. Oh, yeah. So I, I posted this uh, Dev2 post on here because I had made a comment about the state of JavaScript survey, and the demographics were not great. I think we had like 7% non male participants this year, and Sasha Brief is the creator of that. and He's looking into like what he can do about it and exploring like other people's demographics and seeing like how he can impact the survey and get it out to a more diverse crowd. And I really respect that. And I'm looking forward to what they come up with. Yeah, same. That is such a struggle in our industry. It's terrible. I know. And I mean, it's not really his fault. Like, it's not your fault. Like, you have to lead with intention, but it's a fact of what we live in and it's just, yeah. it's hard. It is a hard thing to do. And so I respect that he's trying. Yeah, absolutely. Um, this was already mentioned. So this is the Monaco editor. This is my pick um, that we're trying to implement in coding cat, the next version that we're going to put out, but I might have to talk with some of these people offline if they'll be willing to let me use some of their packages instead. We'll see here, but it's been an incredibly uh easy to set up and put into an editor and use. Um, We're trying to combine this with web containers. So if you've seen learn that spelt that dev, um, same setup as this is kind of how we want our tutorials to run in the future. So um, we're also working with Holopin. When you do a pull request to create tutorial on your own, we're hoping to put out badges soon. So this will all get tied up together to uh, put more content out there for everyone. Thank you all so much for coming on. I can't wait to see the next content that you push out. I'm always following all of you, of course. Yeah, and uh, we'll great. have to do this again soon. Maybe we've got lots month. of tidbits of information and good things for going forward for everyone. Yeah, hope everybody got something good out of it. And we'll talk to you next time. See ya. Thank you. Thank you.